Are you listening to the Daily Dose Sports Podcast? Each and every week, Denver sports writer Clint Daly brings you a sarcastic look at the top stories in the world of sports. Whether it's baseball, basketball, football, or hockey, the Daily Dose brings a unique common sense outlook on the world of sports. And if you listen to the show every week, you will be entered into a contest to win tickets to some of the biggest sporting events in the world. Wait, wait, we don't we don't actually do that. What? We don't you don't get entered into win any tickets. Why? That's not why does that's that just, not happen? That's not what we do at the Daily Dose. Just that's not what kind of show is this? It's a sport you said. It's a sports show. You said what it was. But you don't win anything. But you don't win anything for listening. You listen and what? you enjoy the show, but you don't, I don't win. Understand. Just keep going. Each week on the Daily Dose. Clint interviews some of the biggest names in sports I, and entertainment. That's not, that's not, you made that part up. That's not what we had what? you read. We had you come in with the sexy voice and all, but then you're just, you're adding stuff that the show isn't really well, about. Who talks on the show? I do. I talk on the show. We talk you about. You have no guests? Well, sometimes we do, but that's, it's not like we're going and getting LeBron James or uh, well, like Michael Jordan. A lot of people listen. There's a lot of people that like the show. You're. Are you Look, sure? We brought you, you sure? in. Do we know? We brought you in to do something very specific, and you're not doing what we asked you to do. Just read the. Just finish the read. Fine. Listen to the Daily Dose Sports Podcast wherever fine podcasts are hosted, and you can always find it on the Rogue Intel Podcast Network. Was that so hard? Hello, boys and ghouls. Are you ready to come down to the sewers with us? Are you ready to float too? You'll float too. You'll float too. You'll float too! Yes, my friends, welcome to another awesome episode of the Powerful Nerdcast. I am Corey, and joined with me, as always, is my good friend, Christian! Hey, Internet. Come on down to the sewers with us, and let's float along in this episode of the Powerful Nerdcast. That's right. Free balloons, free cotton candy, and lots of popcorn, because we love to watch it pop. Guys, today we're going to talk about what is arguably the most successful horror film of all time. And I know that seems a little crazy, considering there have been a lot of classics in the past, but... The brand Are you new... talking about Unfriend Me? Is that what you're talking about? I am not talking about that shitty ass <laughs> social media horror film. Why which... is she still logged on? <laughs> oh no. Why is she still on? <laughs> <laughs> no, like, you know, I love horror films. Even last October, we did like a top 10 favorite horror films for mm-hmm. each of us. Um, but I don't go to the theater to see them too often. No, I mean, horror films are like, first, you kind of got to be in the mood for them. And then on top of that, if you're not on, if you're not in the mood for them, and they're not scary, you just gonna feel like you wasted all your money. Exactly. You're just like it's such a gamble because an action movie, I feel like most people can enjoy one, but like a horror film, you're either like too sensitive for them, or they're not actually scary, and you're pissed because you thought you were gonna be scared. Like horror films kind of have a lot of baggage with them, mm-hmm. but it delivered. It did. As and- a film, not mm-hmm. just as a horror movie, as just a film, it was very mm-hmm. well well put together. Well polished, the clown you saw a lot. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing. Not many jump scares. They build the suspense and earn it every time they scare you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "That's good. That's the way it needs to be." And it wasn't torture porn. No, it wasn't. And that was even something that we discussed on the way out. Everybody was sort of talking about their favorite moments from it. And now one of our friends even joked, "You know what? I want to see the new Saw movie." And just 
that's the thing that I'm glad that you brought up is, you know, even if a horror movie, you watch it and the scares suck, it's probably going to be a crappy experience. The beauty of the film, It, is that it's based on a Stephen King novel, so it's already got a very high pedigree attached to it. And Stephen King, while he is one of the greatest horror writers in the world, he's also pretty good at spinning one hell of a narrative. And in this movie... Even if there wasn't, like, the horror elements, you get rid of the clown that's trying to kill all the kids, it's basically Stand By Me. Or Stranger Things. Or Stranger Things. You know, you you strip that stuff away, it doesn't necessarily make it bad anymore. You can get rid of the horror elements, and you actually still find yourself getting attached to these characters, to these kids, and all of the terrible things that they're going through. And even as an adult, what I do love about it is that you can actually sympathize and understand with these kids, because when you're a kid... Everybody has something that they're afraid of, and sometimes it could be something really minuscule. It could be something that you've seen in a movie, but it's something that we all deal with as children. We all have innate fears that we have to get over, and that's one of the biggest, like, you know, foundations of the It film itself. It's foundational, motherfucker. <laughs> that's right. We get deep up in here. <laughs> but uh, before we get, go any further and just talking about the new film, uh, Christian, tell me about your history with it. Like, did you ever read the novel or watch the original 1990 no, I think, miniseries? I think that's why I was super excited about this. I'd never seen the original film. I don't fucking read. Be honest, guys. <laughs> Let's keep it real. Fucking series here for that now. And I don't know all that much about Stephen King except seeing some of his classic stuff. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I know he's a good writer. I know he may have been on Coke when he wrote this. And (laughs) I was excited to see it because the previews looked good. And you can usually tell when a horror movie is going to suck by the previews. Mm -hmm. And it had me intrigued. And also I had the kid from Stranger Things. And it had a very Stranger Things vibe. And after actually seeing the film, I can tell you it's practically Stranger Things, but with a clown instead of instead of a Gorgon. Yeah, or uh, the Demogorgon. The Demogorgon. You know, you get rid of the concept of the upside down and you replace that with some sort of weird, freaky layer that belongs to an ancient demonic being. Yes. Yeah, they're quite strikingly similar. And the fact that it is both about uh, these kid casts that are the ones who are going after these creatures, mm-hmm. the adults don't believe them. There's a lot of inspiration there. And, you know, you really could just go back and say that Stranger Things was just as inspired by it as it inspired Stranger Things. Yes, I feel like Stranger Things set the vibe. Mm-hmm. And then the reboot in it sort of like piggybacked off the vibe that Stranger Things built. Mm-hmm. But obviously Stranger Things was inspired by it. It has that feel. Mm-hmm. It also has that uh, Goonies, but with kids getting their arms bit off. <laughs> by the way. Uh, no Marvels stopping the clown from chasing you on this one. That's for damn sure. <laughs> no um, and, no and bullshit. Let me just go ahead and give up a spoiler warning too, because I do want to talk about some of the gnarly scenes from this movie. because. Oh, yeah. um, One of the things that's going to separate this adaptation from the original 1990 uh, miniseries is that it is a film. It's something that's in theaters, so it's not going to be restricted by censorship. It's an R-rated film, and it certainly earns that within the first eight minutes. Um, But the original 1990 movie was not violent at all. It was more built upon its atmosphere and getting around the camaraderie of all of the young children and, of course, Tim Curry himself, who majestically played Pennywise in the original film. And Bill Skarsgård did a fantastic job. I'm always going to remember Tim Curry for being the classic Pennywise, but they could not be more different from one another. With Tim Curry's version of this evil shape-shifting clown being a little more traditional in terms of its circus inspiration, he's a lot goofier, a lot funnier, he's not afraid to make jokes. 
Whereas Bill Skarsgård in this film, immediately when you see him, you're like, oh, fuck this. I don't even want to deal with this guy. He's already yeah. scary as shit. You can tell that there's something not quite right about him, which immediately makes him terrifying. Whereas with Tim Curry's Pennywise, you're kind of like, oh, this guy's funny. I can hang out with him. Oh, shit, he's got teeth. Yeah, like, uh, also I think the CG of modern day has helped this film versus mm-hmm. hurt it. Like, you could have happened. Like, it could have happened. And the other thing is, Again, not seeing the original. I have seen a lot of clips. I shouldn't say I'm like completely out of the loop mm-hmm. of what the original was like. Really, know? and you know, just to drive this point home, the original movie is not very good. That's, That's the thing. It's heard. not a great movie. But if if you do want to digest it, just go to YouTube and watch all of the the Tim Curry Pennywise scenes. That's really all you need to see. Yeah, it'll get you. It'll get you up to speed in what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, but when you look at this Pennywise, I felt like it. You knew it was a clown. It felt like a clown. It didn't feel circusy necessarily, but mm-hmm. it felt like a clown. And but you knew there was some underlying evil to it immediately. Mm-hmm. And also, I feel like modern filmmaking has made it a better like movie because I feel like the lighting was more oh, dramatic. Visually speaking, it's just this a, movie looks great. It's completely upgraded. Like to be honest, this was a good movie. It doesn't even matter that it was a scary movie. Mm-hmm. Like in general, it was a good film. So I felt like that was very uh, like helpful mm-hmm. in it being a better film than the last one. But to me, as soon as that clown came on, I was like, oh, fuck this. You know, like you could just tell. And my fiance was there with me and she was so terrified of clowns. She was just like, I don't like clowns. But by the end of the film, she actually said she liked it a lot because because we've mentioned earlier already felt like Stranger Things, but with a clown. And the clown actually had a big personality. It mm-hmm. wasn't so much just this scary entity that shows up whenever thing no one's looking and just grabs you and pulls you in the shadows. Like mm-hmm. it draws you in. Every time the clown shows up to fuck with you, there's a scene where you're in. You really interact with the clown. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it doesn't just appear from the shadows. Yeah, it's not just an excuse to walk down a, a dark corridor and then he just pops out and attacks and, you. Yeah, and everyone hears a scream and it cuts away. It's mm-hmm. not like that. There's the the way it engages with you is with psychological warfare. Mm-hmm. So it's completely interesting that uh, they uh, the way they did it. And I mm-hmm. think it's probably a better movie than the last it. But I haven't seen the last it. I mean, by a long shot in terms of a film production value, acting, and everything, it blows the. F- fuck out of the original one. I mean, it just, it's so much better in every single way. Ha-ha, and ha-ha. <laughs> I don't, like I said, Tim Curry's always going to be classic, and when I was a kid and I saw that movie for the first time, it scared the fuck out of me. You have to remember, though, that when I saw that film for the first time, I was roughly five years old, and it aired in 1990, and, oh, God, everybody's going to know how old I am now. Uh, <laughs> anywho, uh, what Corey's was really... 42. Oh, God. I'm not that fucking old. Uh, but this movie was a big deal when it came out. Even when I was five years old, like, I remember, like, distinctly, like, hanging out with my parents in the den, watching TV after Sunday dinner, and there were huge commercials about this movie, and it aired, I believe, on a Monday and a Tuesday, and I tried to watch the a little bit of it with, like, my older brother when it aired for the first time. Within about eight minutes of the movie, when you actually see Pennywise and he, like, reveals his teeth for the first time, I just said, Fuck this, and I just ran away, and I abandoned the film for years, and I came back to it as a teenager, and I was like, whoa, this is the best comedy that I've ever seen, because Tim Curry (laughs) is a laugh 
riot in that original film. And when you know it's Tim Curry, that totally gets rid of the fear. Oh yeah, because you just you know he's the guy from Clue. You know all that kind of funny Freaking Rocky stuff. Horror Picture Show. He's I a have... sweet transvestite from transsexual Transylvania. How do you take him seriously at that point? Uh. He's the main villain of Fern Gully for Christ's sakes, and this guy is like one of the scariest iconic killer clowns of all time. But like I said, when you know that and you see his face, you're like, oh, that's Tim Curry. But Bill Skarsgård, an actor who, let's face it, is relatively unknown at this point. He started in a few pretty decent projects. But the makeup that they did with him in this film, you can't even recognize him. He looks like he became that character full on since the very first time he appeared on screen in that film. And it just sucks you in the entire time. Yeah, I also feel like uh, Pennywise as a villain is an interesting sort of dynamic. There's there's some straight up, I don't want to say plot holes, but like, okay, spoiler warnings. I just got to explain parts of the film to explain my point of view on this. Like, Pennywise can physically attack you, but yet at the same time, if you stand up to him in a straight up way, he kind of can't hurt you. So it's sort of hard to explain where the lines of like real and fake begin. Because if you get drawn into him, he is like allowed to hurt you. Mm-hmm. But if you stand up to him and you're like, you're not really scary, you're not bothering me. He doesn't seem to have the ability to affect you. Yeah, it's it's Freddy Krueger rules. Yeah, okay, basically, that's a good way to put uh, it. Pennywise is a. I don't want to get too much into his origin because I don't want to spoil too much for those who did not either read the novel or watch the original thing. But there is going to be a part two of it. I assure you, they make that clear at the end of the film. Um, Pennywise himself is a sort of creature that feeds off of people's fear, and it's what gives him strength and allows him to go through all of his crazy transformations and essentially is what allows him to become a monster to devour people whole. When you stand up to him, you show no fear, you show no mercy, you get right up in his face, he suddenly becomes weaker, and he actually begins to starve. It's a pretty interesting concept, and it's basically a glorified metaphor for facing your fears head-on. The whole film, in many ways is a metaphor for facing your fears and growing up. That's basically what I got from the original novel, the original film, and even this one right here. As you get to spend a lot of the movie with all of these kids who are really the stars of it, and man, they all do a great job. They all have distinct personalities and backgrounds and distinct fears that they have to get through. And I think if I had to choose like standouts, obviously the kid from Stranger Things... He did a fantastic job. He actually played like a completely different character in this. He did, which was great. I was afraid they were going to kind of try to make him sort of the same character. Like Like the shy, brave kid in this. He's like kind of the dumbass, outspoken kid. Mm -hmm. The character that he plays, his name is Richie. And uh, and he's like the original novel and the Mm -hmm. original miniseries. Uh, He's kind of the comedian of the group. Uh, He loves to make jokes constantly. That's just kind of what he does. And ironically, since he loves to make jokes, his biggest fear is clowns, which is, of course, why we get to see a lot of Pennywise in the film. A little fun fact, in the original 1990 film, uh, who played Richie was none other than a young Seth Green. Really? Yeah. Dr. Evil's son, the creator of Robot Chicken, Seth Green, played Richie in the original films. They're both sassy. I can see that. They're very different. um, Very different styles of comedy. A lot of that having to do with the fact that, too, this uh, film takes place predominantly in the 1980s, whereas the original It novel and miniseries, when they're children, takes place in the 1950s. Which leads to a lot of different imagery. And at first when I heard that, and I'm like, they're doing this, my immediate reaction is, oh man, they didn't have to do that. I'm a guy who's a purist. I like things the way they are. 
But the 80s setting worked really well. It didn't detract from the original story, and it was the perfect, I think, time period because it's before cell phones, it's before internet. Things are still going to be tension-filled and scary. They're not going to be able to get immediate help if they need it. And obviously, I'm a little biased. I think the 80s are fucking awesome. So anything that involves them is great. And again, it goes back to the whole Stranger Things thing. Yeah, no, the 80s are kind of like hot right now. So that's kind of, I think, why they also did it. Yeah, some of the music choices in there were really good. Um, Just some of just the posters, the dialogue, the clothes that they were wearing. It definitely felt like the 80s, although there were times when it definitely felt like the 2000s trying to imitate the 80s. I I feel that, like, I felt like the time period was borderline lost Mm -hmm. besides the point where they were looking at the slide machine. Yeah. And uh, some of the other things. But I felt like it almost was ambiguous with the time period. Mm -hmm. And also, they spent some time in the sewer. Yeah. I don't think the sewer looks any different in the 80s as it does not now, really. now. You, you know, know? Like, and I thought they made uh, his whole sewer like look really cool. Like apparently that was all a big set that they created. They didn't film like in any sewers. They actually just created all of that. Okay. And it looked really fantastic. It had a, a very distinctive, nice corridor look to it. And it made it look a little different than the one we saw from the original series. And still very different from how I imagined it when I read the novel, but still unique enough. Yeah, it's interesting. I also just think that the Freddy Krueger rules for Pennywise is is great, makes a good plot element, but at mm-hmm. the same time, I'm sorry I'm saying this, but it's completely unrealistic because it doesn't make sense that something can hurt you at one moment and then the next moment you can't really mm-hmm. get hurt by it, you know? So it's sort of like he's physical entity, but at the same time he can be completely powerless against you at the mm-hmm. same time as well. So, And also, I don't understand Pennywise because they straight up like shoot him in the head, stab him. They do a whole bunch of they stuff. They beat the fuck out of it. Well, they have, uh, what'd you call that? What was that movie? A <laughs> it, it was like the scene at the end of Death Proof. Yeah, where they just kick the shit out of the villain for like yeah. 10 minutes. That's kind Rosario of... Dawson and all her friends just like beat the fuck out of freaking, uh, yeah. what is his name? I, I feel bad for always forgetting his Kurt, name. He was in Kurt Guardians Russell? of the Galaxy 2. Freaking, uh, was it Kurt Russell? Was it? Hell yeah, it was Kurt Russell. I'm yeah, pretty damn sure it was yeah, Kurt it was Russell. Russell. Um, they just beat the shit out of but him. But yeah, like that's what they, and, and this is, it is what happens in the original novel. It's what happens in the original show. They eventually let go of their fear. They realize that they have the power to take this guy down, and they beat the fuck out of him. And after watching him <laughs> prey on the children the entire movie, it feels good to finally see that happen. And that's why it works. It works because Pennywise was terrorizing these children. Mm-hmm. He wasn't just showing up in the shadows and grabbing them and stealing them away. He was terrorizing mm-hmm. them because he feeds off their fear, mm-hmm. you know, and it was that was why. And he would attack them when he knew he couldn't actually get them, like whenever uh, he would come at them when they were in the garage and mm-hmm. all they had to do was, like, open the garage doors oh, and get that, rid of them. Let, let's talk about that scene for a second. That's actually one of my – Yeah, it's one of my personal favorites I wish they hadn't the ruined film. it. In the trailer, I'll be honest. That's the one thing. Well, they they kind of didn't ruin it. And again, big spoiler warning. Um, there's the classic scene, which is it's kind of a redo of something we saw from the original. Where in the original film, uh, there's a scene where they're all looking at this scrapbook and they're looking at all of these old pictures from like a hundred, two hundred years ago. And eventually, they see Pennywise in the picture, and then he starts to come to life and he runs up and starts talking to the kids, and his hand reaches out from the book. Yeah. Here they took it to this entirely new level where they had this big scene where they're hanging out in someone's garage and they're looking at these slides of the entire like town, and you get to see the sewer system 
and then eventually the sides start playing automatically because it's all creepy and shit, and then Pennywise suddenly appears, they turn it off and knock it over, it turns back on, and this is what we saw from the trailer, which is basically just Pennywise sort of appearing in the projection, Yes. but then this is followed by what is probably the only real proper jump scare of the film, Yes. and one that I actually thought worked really well, where everything just sort of goes silent, you don't see anything, the projector is empty, and then suddenly Pennywise just explodes from the screen, and man, does he look scary as fuck. He looks so creepy during the scene. He's got, like, this giant mouthful of teeth that are overlapping each other, and then he just emerges from the screen, way bigger than we've ever seen him. He's practically a giant, as he's just plowing through this garage, trying to freak out and grab anyone that he can get, and then they open the door, there's light, and he's gone. That scene was an effective jump scare, and there were a few other scenes in the film where you see him for a second and he kind of freaks out at you, but it's not like a, a super abrupt scene. There's build-up to it. Like, aside from that scene... That, that's why I don't say it's a jump scare, because yeah. you see it coming. Mm-hmm. Like, you're, you're, you're sitting there waiting, you're like, he's going to come, right? Yeah. He's going to pop out, you know it's going to happen, and it does. And uh, it, It's it, not like if someone was talking to someone and then they turn around and all of a sudden Pennywise is there. And no. the music didn't change and all of a sudden, and then all of a sudden the music's like, Wee! You know, mm-hmm. like, that bullshit is not in this movie. Yeah. The atmosphere is, like, mm-hmm. thick throughout it and stuff like that. Yeah, there's one scene that I really liked, too, which is another one that they do show in the trailer, but not fully, which is the scene where there's, you know, there's a group of kids, but there's basically a de facto leader of the group whose name is Bill, and he's going after this creature because it killed his younger brother, and he keeps seeing these visions of his brother, and he follows, like, a vision of his brother down into the basement. And you have that scene where his brother is just, like, screaming at him, you'll float too, you'll float too, because that's just sort of Pennywise's thing. And I like how they slowly start to reveal Pennywise, like, rising up out of the water, and you realize that his hand is actually behind Georgie, and he's using him as a puppet. And then he just explodes from the water, and just, like, a freaking mad shark just dives towards him, slams into, like, the bottom of the stairs. And it's so creepy and so effective. I just, I loved that scene so much. I honestly hope they can use his actor. Uh, I think you were telling us that they were probably going to use his actor to play more villains and movies mm-hmm. and like uh, superhero villains. Yeah, because like uh, one of the biggest talks right now is they're supposedly making a Joker movie, uh, which is going to be about Joker and Harley Quinn before they met. This Batman. Is origin. Yeah, which I don't really give a crap about. I, I don't really don't want to see the Joker's origin. I don't care about it, but. They're going to make it because, you know, DC loves making stupid decisions. But, you know, a lot of people are like, who's going to play the Joker? And there's been talks of Leonardo DiCaprio doing it. But, like, they just revealed this picture of Bill Skarsgård, who played Pennywise the Dancing Clown. And they show him without his makeup doing, like, the Pennywise smile, which is very exaggerated, by the way. Like, you'll see, like, actually without the makeup. And he looks so damn creepy, more so than actually Pennywise. Yeah. And uh, looking at that, you know, everybody's like, man, he would make a great Joker. He's already played a demented clown once. Let's see him try it again. And uh, I'd be willing to actually see him do that. He seems like he'd be really great at it. He's young enough. He's got that, like, sort of frail like skeleton-esque look like he has very defined like cheekbones and everything and that would look great on a joker character and to see him just sort of go all out because while i did love him as pennywise i wanted more of him i wanted a lot more scenes of him talking most of the you know the opening scene of the film is really all you need to see to know like what he's about but there's only so many other scenes in the film where he actually has like real distinct dialogue and every single time that happened like just man i loved it i thought it was great you could tell he just got so into that character and uh that combined with the design and all the the creepy things that he transforms into like man there's some great stuff in this movie 
I just feel like the whole movie was not happy. Nothing about that <laughs> film was happy. There, there were only a couple scenes that legitimately, like, you know, like when, when the when the friends all meet each other yeah. and they decide to have, like, a fun time in the summer by going to the quarry and swimming and listening to fucking Run DMC and shit. Like, yeah. like that was good. That was nice and pleasant. And, and then they immediately ripped that away from you when you're like, oh, yeah, killer clown. Yeah, killer clown. <laughs> but, I mean, like, the the one kid has this shitty mom. The mm. girl's probably getting sexually sexually molested by her dad. There's there's no question about the, it. Well, there's not question. The father was just as creepy as Pennywise in this film. That's why I felt like there was no escape from the shit these kids were in because every yeah. person they ran into mm-hmm. uh, was making their life living hell in a different way. Yeah. And then Pennywise is like the fucking shitty clown Sunday on it, you know. <laughs> And it's true. Like these kids cannot catch a fucking break. They're considered the losers at their school. They have issues with their parents. Uh, the bullies, in particular, the main bully, whose name was Henry Bowers, who's another main character from the novels, who is a pretty big character in the film as well. Literally, like basically tries to kill them in this film. Like just they cannot catch the, a break. Yeah, the school bully that takes it too far. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just overall a very shitty world you know in the sense that like Mm -hmm. these kids have no help from anyone but their group but it's also tied into the mythos of the it story and they don't get into it as much in this movie they hint at it a little bit like the the town that they live in Derry, maine Uh is basically like a cursed town that is under the control of pennywise because the adults don't seem to care too much about the things that are going on the outside world doesn't really seem to take too much of notice and that's because it literally just like has its web over everything and then that's not a pun on the fact that it might actually be some sort of giant spider like the original film uh but yeah it's it's sort of like taken over the minds of people and sort of like slowly hypnotizes all of them so that it can take its time in preying on all of these children and why children because they're the easiest to scare and something that is more scared tastes a lot better to it yeah like he takes his time marinating those kids you yeah, know, he, does. like, he doesn't just uh, he doesn't just eat them, and even though he could, because mm-hmm. that would be a waste. Yeah. You know, it would be a total waste if he did that, especially in that. You know, I think the, the most iconic scene of the film will be the first eight minutes of that. I'm just going to call it the Georgie scene where uh, we get to see his very first kill. We're introduced to Pennywise for the very first time. This is a scene that I'm so glad they decided to just like, you know, like, you know what? We're going to have balls. We're going to kill a small child on screen, and we're going to make it gruesome. In the original version, it was Tim Curry grabbing onto a kid's arm, and then they do a slow push-in on his face with teeth. That's all you see. Yeah, I watched that the other day, and I was like, oh, this was so different. This was tame. Mm -hmm. This is almost all they wanted you to do was, like, uh, imagine what happened to the kid. Mm -hmm. Which in many ways is just as scary. Not because you don't really know what happens. Not but, with modern CGI. <laughs> but with the new Pennywise, not only does he have teeth, but his like entire jaw like opens up like a freaking boa constrictor, and you see all of these nasty teeth just explode out, kind of like a goblin shark. Yeah. You see like its gums come out and everything, and then he just like plows down right on Georgie's arm, bites it off, and you see this kid just struggling in the rain trying to crawl like, all away. all of a sudden it turns into Saving Private Ryan. You yeah. You know, it's like, whoa, that's and a it's fucking like, eight-year-old. They, they not only show Georgie getting his arm bitten and ripped off, but then they show his actual death, and it was just like, whoa. And it sets the tone 
for the rest of the film. You find yourself at the edge of your seat wondering when this thing's going to appear and when it's going to transform into some sort of creepy monster. That and a lot of the other parts in the movie that were really fun um, and things that deviated from the novel, but I think in a good way, was just getting to see what he transformed into like throughout the film and like preying on the kid's fear. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of great scenes in this movie, like watching a decapitated the... child who's completely burnt chase someone through a library. God, I forgot about that. Yeah, that scene was really creepy. The flute uh, bitch. Mm-hmm. The flute the, bitch. The flute bitch. <laughs> That's just this, this creepy like image of this woman on a painting who haunts uh, the child whose name is Stan. Or uh, there's uh, my personal favorite, which is uh, the leper, which is this something that was not included in the original 1990 movie but is in the novel. Uh, the child, Eddie, who has a really protective mother who's obsessed with his health. Uh-huh. Of course, he's afraid of a leper, which is this, this disturbing man who is just like literally like his body is falling apart and melting. And I loved seeing some practical effects in there, too. I thought for sure that was just a zombie. I didn't even understand that that was a leper. Yeah. You know, and what I mean by a leopard, if you don't know, is a person with leprosy. Yeah. You know. Yeah. People don't it, it, see that nowadays. A, so a they don't super know. gnarly skin disease. Yes. And, and this one was obviously taken to horror levels and they made it really nasty. Very. Um, and there was a lot of great practical effects on that guy too. Like if you go back and look at it, they did a fantastic job on... Oh, God, I just burped right in the microphone. Hell yeah, everyone. Welcome to that world. <laughs> Sorry about Smell-a-vision. that. vision. <laughs> Anywho, but like that, that scene was followed by him chasing him. And then suddenly Pennywise came out and started talking just ugh, the one was, thing that I love this new effect that I think they're using more and more mm-hmm. is uh, the where they'll like track an object, but then the rest of the world will kind of move around it. Mm-hmm. You see it a lot in that. Remember stock footage of bears? <laughs> you know, when that woman is running at the camera and mm-hmm. it's tracking her face and the world's moving around, but her face stays in the center of the frame. Mm-hmm. Like after the leopard scene and he runs to the back and Pennywise is holding all the all the uh, balloons and stuff and mm-hmm. it does that weird track shake thing. Mm-hmm. I find that whole effect to be so interesting. Yeah. You know, I like it. It made that scene uh, a lot more effective. Yeah, too. because how do you make the guy scary when he's standing in the middle of a essentially sunny field holding mm-hmm. balloons? They have to do something with the editing. Yeah. Another did. another major accomplishment of this film is while there are a lot of scenes that take place in the dark, a lot of this stuff is in broad daylight. And you get to see a lot of things like very clearly. They were confident enough in what they were doing with the scares and with how the atmosphere was handled that they weren't afraid of setting things during the day. No problem. Doing which that. is a really like you know it shows how confident they were in the film, uh, which ultimately I think paid off. It's it's already broken like I think 123 million just on its weekend opening alone. 123, which is massive on a budget of 35 million i can't believe that that movie only had 35 mil i know that that again shows you you don't need to have 50 100 million dollars to make a really effective film this one right here did it perfectly and they did a great job with every single asset they had every actor did a competent job and and i was most afraid of that i was like it's gonna be a movie with a bunch of kids they might suck now I'm more afraid that the sequel's going to suck because how are these adults going to do just as good as these kids did who we've gotten the time to learn about and everything? Like, I'm praying that in the sequel, like the books in the original series, maybe we'll see some more flashbacks of these kids mm-hmm. and maybe even getting to see some more interactions that they actually did have with it. Because you think? 
they're going to add more of the kids with it? I would like to think so. I'd like to, Now, they might not be huge scenes. They could be something really minor, such as literally just getting glimpses of the clown but okay. like, or something that he transforms into. But I'd like to see more of that because, yes, there is a sequel. They, they, they bust your balls with it at the end of the film. They show you the title, and it says It Chapter 1. And I, I loved being in the theater when that happened. You could hear the murmurs from the crowd watching like, wait, what? Uh, you know, hardcore people who fucking read the novel and watch the original know there's probably going to be a sequel. But wait, it really so all in the sequel, did they make it all one movie? That, in the uh, original film, it was split originally because it was a made-for-TV film. It was oh, split okay. in two. It was like an hour and a half each. Oh, but okay. then um, after that was done and they aired it on TV again, they would just show the whole thing. And then when they released it on VHS and DVD, they just slapped the whole thing together into this three-hour just slog fest. Okay. Where you get ten minutes of Pennywise and like two hours of bullshit. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that's not to say that it's terrible, but it's just not that great. It, the acting isn't really all that fantastic and the story is boring in particular the stuff with the adults. The adult really? actors in the original suck. What is it with Stephen King? He was so popular, but I just feel like they didn't know how to handle grade A material back then. That they like now they make Marvel movies, so they know how to transition from comics to movies. They make com- they make video game movies. Some of them are good. Maybe that's not the best example. No. And uh, <laughs> but they know how to take something from a different genre and make it a movie now. Mm-hmm. So I feel like they knew how to handle it. But man, like. Back in the day, it was a big gamble, mm-hmm. big ass gamble. Even I've heard The Shining is good, but not like the book in the sense of it was good because they got good actors, mm-hmm. but it's not actually the way it was supposed to be if you read the books. No. In fact, Stephen King hates the original Stanley Kubrick, The Shining. Yeah. He but, cannot but stand But Kubrick is such a baller, and so is, uh, what's the main actor in that? Um, Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Why am I blanking on that? Jack Nicholson. He made that movie. Well, that what was that? I remember watching a review, and they're like, Jack Nicholson just looks crazy. It's not hard to believe this dude goes crazy. No. It's just It's just Jack Nicholson being Jack Nicholson mm-hmm. while killing someone. Yeah. You know, like, it's like totally believable. I'm almost ready for them to remake The Shining for the umpteenth time, because in many ways... Uh, It's like you said, I don't think, you know, in the 80s and the 90s, like production value and acting, I don't know if they were ready to adapt any Stephen King stories. I also think CGI is so good now they can do more things. Mm -hmm. Now that's not, now there was CGI in it, but it wasn't overused. Well, um, they, there they was def- some crazy shit. Remember yeah. when he came out of that bo- the box and like twirled around and oh, his yeah, arms that was like definitely twisted CG. in? Yeah. yeah, that was like, no, nah, the dude is just very flexible. No, mm-hmm. of course, it's CG. But I am also willing to accept CG on something, which is some sort of weird creature that has the ability to transform into shit. You he know, even he's turned already into other like world a praying piece. mantis arms and shit. You know, remember that? The Funny pra- thing, everybody's been debating about that. Were those praying mantis arms or were they spider arms? Uh, anyway, anyway, I'm, I'm really interested to see if the spider is coming back. Is the spider in the novel? The spider, kinda, yeah. I felt like, like that was like a uh, like we're like, oh fuck, we need an ending. Yeah, uh, like, make him a big spider. <laughs> Hopefully, Wild Wild West won't rip this off later. <laughs> you know? Oh my god! Um, but no, uh, he he has a spider form in the book as well. But even then, it, you know, like I said, I don't want to spoil too much because um, hopefully the sequel will get into it more. Pennywise doesn't necessarily have an, a real form. I figure he's just a manifestation of your fears. Basically, yeah. He's yeah. a fucking boggart from Harry Potter. Yeah. You know, he can be anything that you're afraid of. It's just the clown form just happens to be something he really enjoys, you know, taking the form of because it's so easy to manipulate children with it. 
um, and he desperately wanted to make that happen. We're not going to see the end of Clown Pennywise, despite the fact that these kids are going to grow up to become adults and everything. We're going to see him return. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be goofy, and I assure you, it is going to get a lot more trippy. Okay, so go see this movie. Yeah. That's the other thing. That's really, yeah. I mean, there's a reason it's the critics are loving it, and it's just drawing in so much money. It deserves your attention if you're looking for a great horror film, if you're looking to be introduced to one of Stephen King's greatest stories ever told, then check it out. You're definitely going to get some entertainment value. You're not only going to get scares, but you're actually going to get a couple of laughs. This was a surprisingly funny film. Uh, so make sure to just sit back, relax, and enjoy it. It okay. was great. Best horror film I've honestly seen since The Cabin in the Woods. I want to talk about something else before we go. Okay. The Disaster Artist. Do you know what the, do you know I know we're what talking the, about, Internet? Do you uh, know what we're talking about? You need to Google this trailer. You are tearing me apart, Internet! <laughs> I did not! Okay, so who would have thought that they were going to make some sort who of... Who would have thought this isn't dead yet? <laughs> You know, like, I thought this would just go down to internet history. Who funded this thing? Like, yeah. how come the room be- keeps getting bigger than it really is? All right, so uh, James Franco, <sighs> Seth uh, Rogen, and a bunch of their other friends are apparently working on a biopic film, which is about the making of Tommy Wiseau's The Room. And if you don't know what Tommy Wiseau's The Room is, I highly recommend you go watch it right now. And I know it's going to seem bad at first. Because it is bad, but just watch the whole thing and take it for what it is, and then go watch this trailer for the, what is it called again? The Disaster? The Disaster Artist. The Disaster Artist. And so, I mean, you got to understand, Tommy Wiseau is a guy that's obviously a little off, and I don't mean that in a mean way, but he may have some light version of Down Syndrome or something, you know? Like, he just seems a little off. And I don't mean that as a, first of all, I'm not a doctor, so don't listen to me like I, this is a diagnosis or anything. But I mean, like... He is a motivated dude that doesn't fit into normal society. Let me just put it that way. (laughs) And his acting is dry, but he loves himself a lot. You know, and he's just, he's like, but I'll also say this. If you want to make it as a man that makes movies for a living, you have to have unwavering confidence, unwavering willpower to push forward. And he had it. And he made a great, semi-great film. (laughs) He made a film. It was, it existed. And he made something with a camera. He made it. And <laughs> I don't know what he made, but he made something and it has obviously gone down in history. You know, like it is something that will always go in history. And the room is just a really bad film that like the internet has adopted. And for Seth Rogen and James Franco, they're pretty much stoners that have nothing better to do but make these dumbass films <laughs> about pop culture. For all we know, this could be the best movie that they've ever made. Uh, James Franco's a fucking really smart guy, though. I hate saying that because he doesn't seem like that. Because he always plays the dumbest characters. But he's very quiet, very well-read, very, like... He can turn it on and off, mm-hmm. is what it... But I don't think that uh, 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 Seth MacFarlane is like that. I think Seth MacFarlane is who you think he is. Not Seth MacFarlane. <laughs> Uh, uh, Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen. Yeah. Seth Rogen is who he is yeah. in the movies. I think that character is pretty much who he is. Like I don't, you know, Seth Rogen. I don't, you know, Seth Rogen's a funny guy. I'll admit yeah. that, but I don't think he's a very good actor. I don't think he's a great actor. I just you think know. he is who he plays. You know, he's always the same Seth Rogen. <laughs> he's always ogre a, laugh. He's just a sausage trying to get in a bun. Basically, you know? yeah. But <laughs> so, I mean, it just so happens him and James are just, you know, they're really good friends. They love working on projects together, and this and is they their, know their audience. Yeah, they know their fucking audience, <laughs> and they know they're gonna love this weird biopic of Tommy Wiseau, who has just got to be one of the weirdest motherfuckers ever. Who's I, 
international origins are just mysterious as his film process. Oh my god. <laughs> just just go look up the room flower scene and you'll understand the way this film looks mm-hmm. and how it plays out and you're tearing me apart Lisa, check that out. I don't know. I'm very excited about the disaster artist and I cannot believe I'm saying that mm-hmm. because this is just something you like if someone said they're going to make a a film about Tommy Wiseau, you'd be like, oh, that's not, no one's going to watch that. Yeah. But now I'm like so pumped for that. I can't believe they're making it. And if it. you watch the, and, and it's the type of movie I think that watching The Room will allow you to love that movie even more. Oh Just God. everything will make more sense. You'll know exactly what it is they're going to be making fun of in very specific scenes. You know, it's not even just the acting in that film. Just some of the framing some of the terrible dialogue, just the actual narrative of that film is funny in the worst way possible. It is, it's an appropriate title, The Disaster Artist, because uh-huh. it is a disaster of a film. It's terrible, but it's just grown into this amazing cult following. Absolutely. You know, where people still go, you know, have you ever heard of like the midnight showings? Oh, yeah, yeah. Of certain things, you know, Rocky Horror Picture Show, show up Saturday night, midnight. They do that for The Room all the time, and it draws huge crowds, mostly of people who've seen the movie like 10 times, which if you've seen The Room 10 times, man, you've got a strong constitution. Uh, but they go there, they recite the lines, they bring plastic spoons into the theater that they oh. throw at the screen. Oh, it, it's just, it's become like a, a, a theater, so to speak, like a big theatrical interactive show. And, uh, I can't wait to see how that audience is going to react to this film as well. And, uh, I can't wait to see what Tommy Wiseau's either involvement is or his reaction to this film is going to be, because I don't I mean, think he's going to be angry. Googled, I just Googled it. I mean, there's Tommy Wiseau and James Franco doing interviews together. Okay. So, so I mean, he's on board. Yeah. He's you know? okay with this. And, you know, it's it's one of those unfortunate things. I think Tommy wanted The Room to be considered, like, a fun, good, artsy movie that was well-made. But then it became so bad as, like, a bad movie that people loved it that he's like, oh, okay, no, 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 it was a comedy that I meant to make the whole time. Ha, ha, ha. Like, he's just sort of, you know, kind of going along with it. I mean, it's easier to go with the flow than try to yeah. fucking tell everyone, no, this is art and you don't understand it. You can't I, tell the world that. Because I haven't seen Tommy, like, do anything else, like... The only other thing I've seen Tommy Wiseau do is he directed an entire episode of Tim and Eric. And that's only because Tim and Eric knew about the room and they had to bring him in. Really? They, yeah, they just, they had, and he's even in the episode a little bit. Uh-huh. And uh, there's even like a few scenes from the room, like that's in there because they wanted to be like, this guy directed this movie, check it out. And uh, that episode is just as weird, of course, as the room is. It's, wow. it's awesome. Tommy Wiseau probably works a lot more than we realize right now. Yeah. I mean, because <laughs> you'll float too. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! So how's your sex life? <laughs> Why is that a line? I keep seeing that all over the internet. I don't remember that one. <laughs> it's just it's one of the random scenes of the film. You where did a just... good job. How's your sex life? Yeah, you're just a little chicken. Cheap, 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 cheap. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, guys, that is the fucking powerful nerdcast anyway, for this week. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for listening to our discussion of it. We highly recommend you check out the film, and we also recommend that you check out the room for a lot of good laughs. And make sure to get yourself pumped up for the disaster artist. Uh, if you guys have any topic ideas, any questions for us, just make sure to uh, shoot them our way. You guys can remember you can check out the video version of this podcast on YouTube, but you can also download the show for free at Rogue Intel, and most importantly. 
at Blog Talk Radio. And, and on iTunes. Out, and on iTunes. All for free. It's awesome. You guys can take us with you wherever you want to go. And of course, you can check out all of the other amazing shows from Rogue Intel as well. They are actually the guys that make this show possible. They're the ones that distribute it for us. So make sure to check out all of their awesome programs. And a really great way that you guys can actually support Rogue Intel and all of their various shows is to use our very specific Amazon link. If you're curious about the It novel and you want to purchase it from Amazon, use that link. What you're going to be doing is you're going to be helping to support these shows without paying any extra. Remember, that is rogueintel.com slash Amazon. Use that for all of your shopping needs, and you'll support all of these kick-ass podcasts. So, there it is. Thank you guys again for watching. Christian, you have anything else for us? I want the internet to know that the It movie is good, and watch it. Okay, internets, we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.